Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 376 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am doing well. How are you today, Chad? Well, you know, I'm doing uh, well. Uh, you know, if you're asking me personally how I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. But if, if we're talking about the Reds, yeah. this yeah. team. <laughs> let's, let's know, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's rough. You know, they got to 500, then they got swept. But, you know, hopefully the off day today will give them a chance to recharge. <laughs> there definitely was not a baseball game that happened today. Thursday, May the twentieth. Yeah, well, about that, right? No one actually played. Uh, at least, no one in the in the red uniforms played Major League Baseball. The Reds did. Uh, since we spoke last week, the Reds fought back and and won the last two games of that series out there in Colorado to split the series and actually get to five hundred. And so, all right, exciting. And then they proceed to return home to Great American Ballpark and lose four consecutive games to the San Francisco Giants. So they are now four games under five hundred as we record. And the the finale, as Jason alluded to just now, of that series was a disaster. With the Giants winning nineteen to four, Tyler Malley, who had been fantastic all season long, uh, just got rocked, and it didn't get better until they started putting in position players to pitch. I mean, it was just ugly. Listen, I think that Chad is having an hallucination. Uh, forgive him, but there was no <laughs> baseball game today. We're going to agree to forget this game. That didn't happen? Yes. <laughs> okay. It didn't happen. All right. Listen, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, although I do want to uh, uh, make one point. The Reds did have, in this game that didn't happen, if it were to have happened, the Reds would have used two position players on the mound. And let's say those, their names would have been Alex Blendino and Max Schrock. The last time Bobby Nightingale had this uh, note on Twitter.com, Bobby Nightingale of the Inquirer, the last time the Reds used two position players to pitch in the same game, 1902. And... Uh, Evidently, at the end of the game, the uh, uh, it was at, at the Pirates. It was at, at Pittsburgh, and the uh, the fans were refunded their money. Really? Yeah. And the manager of the uh, of the Cincinnati team, who was I believe King Kelly, he was a player manager. He went to bat in the first inning uh, smoking a cigarette. So. Wow. Yeah. So, a little uh, historical note: Should the Reds have? Oh no, they didn't. They, nobody will get, no fans will get their money back today because the game didn't happen. Um, before we, owners. <laughs> before we leave this it, it, entirely, does it frustrate you? I mean, it does me, and probably it shouldn't. But does it frustrate you that the last three games of the Giant series featured uh, winning pitchers named Anthony DiScalfani, Kevin Galsman, and Johnny Cueto, all former Reds? Um. Cueto frustrates me and will always frustrate me because I said at the time that he should have been locked up, um, period, end of story. The other two, you know, I I don't know. If you'd asked anybody, I think, you know, who would be better this year, uh, Gaussman and DiSclefani or, say, you know, Lorenzen and Miley, which is really, you know, who who was in the debate, you know, that's that's a coin flip. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it sucks that because Lorenzen's been hurt and we've had, you know, Jeff Hoffman instead who hasn't, who's been not great. Uh, so it sucks that the Reds have gotten kind of the bad side of that coin. But 
I mean, really, overall, I mean, you know, our worst pitcher, starting pitcher has been Luis Castillo, and nobody on earth saw that coming, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, Galsman, you know, is maybe the best pitcher in the National League this year so far, 4-0 with a 1.66 ERA, and listen, I like the guy, and I thought he had a chance of being a starter when he was in Cincinnati, and I thought they were going to try to work him work him as a starter, and then uh, they, they let him go, and I can't say that I was... I mean, you can see that he had talent, but I, I can't say that I was upset about that. So, whatever. If you're going to ask me, uh, Anthony DiSclefani versus Jeff Hoffman over the offseason, I'd have taken Disco, uh, you know, every single day. But but you're right. That's really sort of an unfair way to look at it. And Cueto, yeah, uh, he's Cueto. We will always love Johnny Cueto. How can you not? Um, Cueto off to a good start this season. 3-1, 3.334 ERA. So anyway, let's uh, kind of talk about the week that was. Um, one big thing that happened this week is that uh, the Reds announced that beginning June 2nd, Great American Ballpark was is going to return to full capacity, to which I say, I've been watching the games. It looks as full as it always does. Well, they keep playing like this. They're not going to sell any more tickets, that's for sure. <laughs> they probably hit their max, right? Yeah. So... Um, Anyway, uh, that's something. If you want to go to Great American Ballpark, I will not be. But if uh, if you want to, please do and uh, go enjoy yourself if you if you wish. Um, quote unquote full capacity. I want to, can we talk briefly about Amir Garrett? Because we talked about him last week, and now it's become even more apparent that it looks like Amir Garrett has gotten out of him whatever the issues were in the early part of the season. How big is that for the Reds? That, that's huge. I mean, Amir and then Castillo's last start, which wasn't perfect, but, you know, much more. Those two things, if those two pitchers can get it together, then things look a lot rosier in, in a big hurt. Yeah, I, you know, I ordinarily wouldn't uh, compare those two in terms of importance to the team, and I still don't think you can, but I do think Garrett's importance to this particular team is way more than I would ordinarily say for a, a relief pitcher, just because the Reds let... Uh, you know, Rosetta Glacius and Archie Bradley go for free, and they made no efforts whatsoever to upgrade the pin otherwise. Well, I guess they signed Sean Doolittle, um, and we can discuss that. But, but so, so Garrett and, and Lucas Sims have to be great. I just don't know how this team can survive long-term without those two guys being great. And um, evidently he was, uh, his left shoulder was flying open earlier. Wade Miley noticed it and told him, evidently. And he's been, you know, he's been Garrett since then, so that's good. Yeah. He got suspended five games, Jason, for yelling. Yeah, and then a player hit another player for hitting a home run, and, and that pitcher got suspended for three games. Three games. The the, the White Sox game uh, where Tony Russo was basically urging the other team to throw at his hitters. And, and I, I don't know how, how it works at your house, Chad. I, I know that you've had that you have children, but they're hopefully past this stage. You know, mine are almost, but not entirely past this stage. But, you know, in our house, traditionally, yelling has, has resulted in much less severe consequences than physical altercation does. Yeah, yeah. Assault gets you in more trouble. And I believe in your other profession, assault gets you in more trouble than yelling. It's true. Well, that's actually battery, right, if physical contact happens. It is, yes, yes. Uh, very good, Jason. I didn't know you were a legal scholar. I know way too many lawyers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a bad thing. Me too. So uh, anyway, um, Amir Garrett, that's good. Uh, him getting uh, him getting uh, five games. Maybe it's because he had a previous uh, eight game suspension there a couple of years ago. Maybe that played into it. I don't know. But get out of town! This nonsense. Ugh. So anyway, uh, what else happened this week uh, that we need to talk about? That really, you know, it's not the best week 
to be a uh, to be a Reds fan. And I wanted to start out with this question. Actually, we intended to begin, and we kind of went you know off the rails just a little bit, as we tend to do. But the question I wanted to ask uh, to, to begin this podcast, because it's something a lot of people are talking about, as you noted before we started recording, is uh, should Reds manager David Bell be on the hot seat? What do you think? Should he be on the hot seat? By that I mean, should he be worried about uh, how secure his job is? Do you have an opinion on this? I I do. A little bit, at least. Here's what I can say. If I went back through and looked at all the games, I'm sure I would find things that I disagreed with. But in general, I have not had an issue with how he has managed this year. I think that really he's done the best he can with what he has, you know, a, a thin bullpen and a roster that has 87 third baseman and no shortstops. Um, you know, and I think given the pieces he's had to work with, I don't know that I would have done things all that different from how he has done them, but people like to blame somebody. And, you know, as is often the case in, in, in baseball, they, they make the mistake of blaming the manager and then the players and then maybe if they have, if they if they sit by themselves quietly for a long time, they'll start to realize that it all goes back to the owner, who's actually the boss of everyone. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm of a couple minds on this. Uh, first is that I've said this uh, several times on the podcast. My opinion's just been that uh, he does goofy things sometimes. Um, this year, he's kind of I think gotten most of the. The big decisions, maybe not right, but the way I would have done them. So I can't really argue with him on some of these things. Um, yeah, and on some of those, I always figure that when something that seems obviously weird happens, that there's probably a reason that we don't know about. Right, right, right. You always have to have to assume that. I've, I've just sort of traditionally said there's never been a single time during his uh, you know tenure as, as manager of the Reds where his teams have uh, overperformed expectations. And that's a kind of a you know, vague way to judge a manager, but I think it's true except for maybe a week and a half last year. Yeah. Um, and, and then the second point is that, uh, so I, I don't have any love for David Bell. I just, I think he's, uh, I don't think he's a good manager. I don't know that he's an awful manager either, but I don't think he's a good manager. Um, first of all, how are you going to, how are you going to fire the person who came in ninth in manager, National League manager of the year voting last year? I mean, how do you do that? Oh, did you, can you? Top did, third, Chad. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Yeah, no, not top third in the National League. Oh, ninth in the National League? <laughs> yes. Well, that's top 60%, Chad. There you go. Very good, uh, David Bell. Uh, I guess, uh, for, okay, I don't think that based on the way things happen in Major League Baseball that he deserves to be fired. I'll, I'll say that right off the top. I will say that I don't think he's done a whole lot to, you know, show that he deserves the job either or that he's good at the job necessarily. I think a lot of the problems with the team and a lot of the frustrations, and this is sort of what you alluded to, not his fault at all. I mean, you just can't you can't look at this roster that he was given and say, oh, this is a world-beating team. Now, are they better than what they're playing now? I think so. But um, I don't know. I just – here's what frustrates me. Go ahead. You know, I think there's there's maybe one thing that we can agree on. I'm going to throw this out and see if we can we can agree on something, which is that David Bell is a better manager than Tony Larusa. Oh gosh, yes, He's Hall of Famer Tony Larusa. You you mispronounced that. Oh my gosh, Tony Larusa is. He's not my favorite person. 
Uh, David Bell's not my favorite person. Let me, can I veer off topic in order to make a point? You can always veer off topic in order to make a point, Chad. I, I promise I'm going to circle back around uh, to, to my point. But um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big fan of uh, of European soccer. And I'm not going to get into soccer, I promise. Those of you, because I know so many of you don't care, and that's fine. You don't so have to care. So many people just tuned off, right? Like, like Chad's mom just turned off the podcast right now. <laughs> I know, right? That's our only uh, viewer anyway, but... Um, you called it European soccer also, as though there's another kind of soccer. Uh, European football is what I should have said. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I'm not going to talk about the actual game, but I want to talk about the structure of the game as, as comp- compared to the way that uh, Major League Baseball is, is structured and, and the incentives. And, and one thing that over the you know the decade or so that I've really been uh, heavy into um, soccer, one thing that's always kind of blown me away is how quick teams are to get rid of their manager. I mean, they fire an example is the team that I like, Tottenham Hotspur. They were in something called the Champions League final, which is one of the greatest things they lost, but you know, runner up in the Champions League, which is an incredible accomplishment for this uh this uh club who had had never been that far in the Champions League. So, um 6 months later, they're in the bottom half of the standings in the in the next season and they fired the manager that took them to heights that they'd never seen before. Or they not hadn't seen in you know decades. Six months later, they fired this guy. They hired another manager. They've since fired him as well. So they've had three managers in the time that uh, David Bell's been in in Cincinnati. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is not to say that David Bell deserves to be fired, but that the incentive structure in football, European football, soccer, is that winning is more important than almost anything. Because if you lose, you drop down to the minor leagues. Promotion relegation is what it's called. And some of the some of the big, you know, billion dollar clubs, including Tottenham, tried to across Europe tried to break away and kind of form their own league. And I'm not going to get into the details of that uh, because it's not important. But the reason they did this, and this, I'm oversimplifying it, the reason they did that, the big money owners, is because they want to control. They want to. A lot of them now are owned by American owners, and they wanted a, a system like America where it didn't matter what your results are. We're still going to be guaranteed big money. So, uh, be, without having to do everything we have to do to win. In America, that's why this is not David, David Bell's fault. It goes back to Bob Castellini. There's no incentive to try to win. And so, a mediocre manager, which I think David Bell's probably a mediocre manager, can just keep lingering because there's no urgency to win in really just about any American sport. And it's just that's that's the area, thinking about David Bell, where it really. It comes clear to me. Uh, maybe that's not the right thing to do to fire a manager, but they're so desperate to win and to turn things around that they make decisions, man. They, they, they. Maybe that's not the right way to do it, but it is a uh, the fact that the Reds have had zero urgency to win for a long time well, from from management. I, I, I have several things to say in response to to that, if I may. Yeah, please do. So, um, first of all, I think that's interesting. I, I don't follow European soccer as you put it. Um, but that's interesting about the managers and that, you know, that makes sense, especially when I assume it's easier to turn over a manager than, you know, some than part of your roster. Um, and, you know, with with baseball, you're right with baseball in particular, I would argue right now, there's no incentive. And, and I think that a big part of that problem is that that antitrust exemption. Oh, get rid of it. So you can't have, you know, some sort of like young rich owner or whatever come in and shake things up 
because everybody approves who's going to buy the team before it's sold. So they keep it in, in a club of, of people they know. Um, and so it just kind of stays static. It stays very static, which is a big problem with the game, you know, right now. You know, people get mad where, where they're like, well, MLB's Twitter feed did this, but the league did that. You know, they're promoting this thing that they punished the player for. Man, the people making the punishment decisions are all like 304-year-old, wrinkly old rich dudes. And the people running social media are young, and they're not on the old rich dudes' radar. Like, so that's that's why that disconnect is happening. But, and here's the next thing, because we're, we're talking about ownership a little bit, right? Absolutely. I, I have an idea, and it's a great idea. I've had it before, but now seems the time to, to bring it up again. And you're going to love it, Chad. Are you ready? I don't think I'm ready, but let's do it. I would posit that there is no team in baseball, with the exception maybe, maybe of the Yankees, that is more deeply intertwined with its location than the Reds are. The Cincinnati Reds should go all Green Bay Packers and make it a publicly, like, like sell it to the public. Bob Castellini should sell the Cincinnati Reds to the public and let it be a publicly managed, not-for-profit, put everything back in the team, any excess or whatever can go to charity, like, team that is owned and run by the city or by the citizens of the city. I'm all for it. I'll buy my shares. Uh, but instead, Bob Castellini, if he ever does sell, oh, please let him sell. He's going to sell it for $2 billion to some other rich dude or group of rich yeah. dudes. I mean, that's yes. because of that antitrust exemption. But no, I, lo I love the idea. I love the idea. I just... Uh, uh, David Bell deserves some some blame for not being a good manager, I think. But you know, he's also had his hands tied here. Uh, yeah, and you know the the players do seem to go to bat for him in a way that I don't remember that remember them going to bat for say like Brian Price or Dave Miley or Dave Miley. Yeah, like, <laughs> and you know, there's there's something to that. You know, I, I know I've said this on here before, but. You know, one of the most illuminating things in my baseball writing experience was when I got to talk to Delino DeShields when he was managing the bats because he would answer any question and not get offended, which was great. So you could ask him things about like lineup construction and stuff like that and like substitutions and whatnot. And that's kind of what I alluded to earlier, where oftentimes there are reasons that we don't know about. And so many of those things that we might question are more like, Sometimes they're just interpersonal decisions. It's about keeping the team happy or keeping a particular guy in the headspace you need to have him in or something like that. And it's they're all relevant reasons, but all the players like playing for him, even if his managerial style was sometimes a little bit old school. And players seem to like playing for David Bell at least fairly well. Um, and so, you know, I, but I don't know, but he doesn't seem to have the Dusty Baker magic where he makes all the boneheaded decisions that infuriate us and then somehow the team plays better than it should. Yeah, that's sort of where I was going to go. I think you're probably right. That's what it looks like from the outside, and we just don't know. And, and that's what everyone needs to remember is what we see David Bell do uh, in three hours uh, every day, uh, that's not the majority of his job. There's so much of it that we don't get to see because we're not in the clubhouse. Um, and, and Dusty's the one that, uh, yeah, I, I, let, me just, let me say, I'm perfectly willing to believe that David Bell's really good at everything else on the field. But at some point, I, I would think it would start to show up on the field or else what's the point? Like you said with Dusty Baker, I mean, we in retrospect all have come to realize that uh, whatever you know uh, voodoo he did in the in the locker room or in the clubhouse, uh, you know he 
most players like playing for him, and he, and he kept the clubhouse loose, and um, he just was, uh, you know, um, he was very good at that part of his job, even without the other stuff. And and it showed up on the field in that they kind of, you know, uh, outperformed expectations often. And uh, I just, I, I, can't, I can't make an argument to keep David Bell. I mean, I'm not saying we should fire him. I hate talking about firing guys anyway. This is our livelihood. But uh, I, I don't know that the Reds should. It's not all his fault. But I can't really come up with a with a good argument as to why he deserves to be the manager of the Reds. Except, unless it's what you just said, which is he's good at the parts of the of the game that we can't see, that but that the Reds can't yeah. see. Yeah, it's true. I, you know, I, I, yeah, he's, yeah. I think he's an okay, you said a mediocre, I think he's an okay manager, but I don't know. Really, it all comes down to personnel. Right, right. Is in players. And, you know, this team, I, it's, you know, I'm sure everyone's giving it their all. I know everybody's giving it their all because they're a team that thinks they're better than their record, obviously, but like, it just is not happening right now. That flips flips back to what you were saying earlier when we were talking about uh, the uh, the soccer, which is that really the best argument for firing David Bell right now is that uh, you can't fire the players, and that's not a real argument, right? Yeah, it's, it really isn't. Um, but let's talk about you know where we are. First of all, do we think that Bob Castellini is upset with the, where the Reds are right now that they're four games under five hundred? I don't think so uh, because it's it's his fault. He didn't. He didn't improve the roster any. What was he expecting? But we have exactly 120 games left. Is your opinion about this team any different than it was going into the season? I mean, not really, except now they've got a four-game hole to climb out of to get to 500. Yeah. You know, I mean, it stinks that Joey is hurt. Um, It stinks that Moose has been hurt a bunch. It stinks that Senzel keeps getting hurt. Like... But the outfield, frankly, I'm not worried about the outfield because I feel like that we've got five players who are everyday quality players. So if one guy gets hurt, it's not a big deal. Um, but, you know, the infield is another situation, obviously. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's, let's talk about the infield. To answer my own question, I don't think that I feel uh, any differently than I did uh, before, before the season, but um, it is almost June now, and they are lingering, uh, you know, below 500, and they've been there most of the season. You know, at some point, the team's, re- you know, record it reflects the type of team they are. I still think, again, 120 games left, and I've seen enough good things to think we have a chance, but the worst thing that I've seen is this infield defense. Have, and maybe it's just recency bias, I don't know, but have you ever seen a, a worse infield defense on this it is a disaster i mean not for the reds i don't think i have no i mean this is not a good defensive team on the infield you know uh tyler stevenson started his first game at at first base the other day which i'm fine with that especially given that uh, as you noted uh the two other first basemen joey Votto and mike moustakas uh are on the injured list, uh, but he didn't have his own glove. <laughs> this is a major league franchise, and he's asked to play a position that he had really never played before at the major league level. It's incredibly hard, as as they say in uh, in Moneyball. Um, you know, Suarez has just been. I mean, we love Gino, but <sighs> that's all I can do. Just sigh. He's not been wow. good. He's not been good. 
Um, and when he's been at third, he's looked fine. Yeah. Do you feel that way too? Like at third base, I'm like, oh yeah, Gino. Well, I test. I haven't seen him do the things I saw at short. A shortstop, it was just is as bad a shortstop defensive as I've seen in big league baseball. And maybe that's not fair, but it was, oof, it was rough. But yeah, yeah, third, I, you know, he looks more comfortable anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, in, you know, India's been fine uh, at second base, but you wonder whether he's in the plans, not in the plans. You know, Sinzel's played some some second base now and looked uh, mostly okay. But uh, you got guys playing that where they're not played for years, uh, and some of that's because of that's because of two things: the injuries and because the Reds refused to get a shortstop in, in the offseason. And so this is exactly what we all did expect to happen. But it's pretty ugly. Um, Kyle Farmer, you you like you some Kyle Farmer? You know, Kyle Farmer does every single thing that is asked of him. He tries as hard as he can to do everything that's asked of him. He doesn't complain. Um, I'm told he's a popular guy in the clubhouse. Uh, somebody a couple days ago emailed me telling me that I needed to eat crow about Kyle Farmer as a shortstop, that I was wrong about him. And uh, I politely responded, now, Mrs. Farmer. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Mrs. Farmer. But I, I went and looked at his stat line, and am I missing something? Yes, he's a better defensive shortstop than than Gino. I'll give you that, but he's hitting literally exactly like he's always hit relative to the league. I mean, yeah, sixty two OPS plus. I'm like, that's you know what we expected. Yeah, I mean he's he's not a, he's I, Kyle Farmer is a great player to have on your baseball team because he's good enough with the bat that he can do things in a pinch and he can play absolutely everywhere. I mean. He's a great – I would want a Kyle Farmer on my baseball team if I could. That does not mean he should be playing every day. Yeah, there, there's value in what he can bring to a team. Okay, we can talk about how much value that is, but there, there is real value that a Kyle Farmer type can bring to your team if you just understand, number one, that he's not going to hit. He's just not going to hit. Um, but – I think we probably – well, let me ask you this question because this is something I struggled with this week. And I, I think I'll tell you how I lean uh, is that Farmer is probably our starting shortstop for two-thirds of the games uh, going forward. I don't know that we'll see Suarez back at short much, if at all, once Moustakas uh, and Vado get back. Uh, I disagree unless who, – who, who's getting benched then? India? India, yeah. Or sent to AAA. I mean, India is not hitting any better than Farmer is right now. Yeah, got a better future, supposedly. Um, yeah, I mean, you might be right. I mean, you you might be. Um, alternatively, you know, I don't know. We could see Senzel uh, getting some time at second. You you might be you might be onto something there. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but. I might say more like he'd start half of the games at short. Yeah, I don't know. I just this, this comes back to this idea that it's not David Bell's fault necessarily. He's trying to. I, I mean, what do you do in this circumstance? <laughs> who would you start? Serious question. If, like, who would you start at short right now? The truth of the matter is, I would probably start either Sinzel or or India at short. They're both you. You would think going to hit better than Kyle Farmer, and they will. Yeah. You would think defend better than. Uh, Suarez, but the problem is, 
India and Sinzel have played shortstop in their lives. They both played it in college some. They've not yeah. played it in years. And shortstop in the big leagues is in, it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's really, really hard. As we saw from Suarez, who, you know, at, at, at his worst is, a, is an average third baseman. He, he stepped over to shortstop and just looked completely uh, overmatched. So, Well, and I mean, you remember they, they tried an experiment with Sinzel in short, and that lasted all of about seven seconds. Well, and if it if it shows you how desperate David Bell's gotten is the the word I got was that after that experiment that David Bell had no interest in Sinzel ever being back on the infield, and he has played him on the infield this year some, and he's actually looked uh, you know not out of place on the infield. Yeah. I mean, he's a good second baseman and a good third baseman. I mean, I saw him in Triple A. He looked he looked excellent there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, um, he bless his heart though he's he has like a a, a bad ankle and bad hip and bad shoulder all right right now he's not on the disabled list but he just gets dinged up more than oh it's frustrating it's more frustrating to him than it is to me i'm sure um what who else we need to talk about in this lineup let's talk about our guy that we've been championing for years mvp candidate jesse winker jesse winker i mean he's a uh, my son follows all these uh, crazy Instagram accounts that you know do top five players of all time and top five hitters right now and top five MVP leaders in all different sports. And so he came to show me that they had Jesse Winker as the uh, as number one in the MVP race in National League right now. Wow, <laughs> no right, crazy. Um, that's, I don't know how that's going to hold up, but the dude is a legit star. I mean, can we say? I guess I've said it two or three times, and you have as well. But he's a legit star, isn't he? He is. I mean, he's leading the league in batting average right now. He's up there in slugging and OPS. Like, I mean, yeah, he's having a fantastic season that should come as a surprise to absolutely no one, but some people are dumb. <laughs> Age 27. Uh, the only thing that, you know, I, uh, he's certainly hitting with more power than I expected, but um, everyone who's at bats is almost, it's not quite a Joey Votto level joy. But it's, it approaches it just that he he seems to hit the ball hard every single time and just uh, I don't know I'm uh, I'm I'll declare my undying love for Jesse Winker. Wonder honestly how long it's going to be until he starts getting pitched around heavily because I don't feel like he's getting pitched around yet really. No, no, you know who is getting pitched around? Nick Castellanos, who's yeah. you know even better numbers across the board. Than Jesse Winker, he's you know got walks in seven of his last eight games or something, and uh, and I, if you'd ask me who's gonna who's lead, we're what is what is today May twentieth? Who's leading the league, the Reds in walks? I wouldn't have guessed it'd be Castellanos, but here we are. Not in, no, he would have been like your twelfth guess. Right, right. So I'm glad he's uh, they're pitching around him. And I'm glad he's <laughs> letting them. You know, um. Shogo, can we talk Shogo just briefly before we get into the pitching? Sure. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of him still. He's a 33-year-old outfielder who I've never seen. i seen do things that intrigue me. And we're just talking 27 plate appearances here. He's only been back for 12 games. But uh, I'm not saying do we give up on him, but it, I'm just I'm saying at some point is he going to show us what we thought he was going to? Do we still feel like he is? I mean, I don't know. I, I, like you said, we haven't had enough of a chance to, to see him. I mean, I feel like it's going to be one of those things. His Reds career is starting to feel destined to be one of those things that kind of never quite gets going. Yeah. I mean, next year is the last year of the deal. 
Um, right now, he's probably what the fifth outfielder. I'd say he is the fifth outfielder when you when you look at uh, presuming Senzel is a is a full time outfielder. Winker, yeah. Senzel, Castellanos, and and Tyler Naquin, who you know no complaints about Tyler Naquin. Um, so maybe we we talk too much about fifth outfielders, but I don't know. I had a, I was hoping for a higher ceiling for Shogo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which still may happen. I sure. mean, like he's, he's you know basically just now should be getting into form. You know, um, if if you know if say if Winker got hurt and came back and struggled for his first twenty seven plate appearances, we wouldn't blink at it. We'd be like, oh, he's just got to get back in the groove. But because it's somebody who hasn't established himself yet, we're kind of wondering what's real and what's not. Right, right. Or, or he established himself in a league where we didn't get to watch him, basically. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's shift around to pitching here for just a moment, and then we'll dig into some viewer mail questions. Uh, the pitching here, you mentioned Castillo earlier, and uh, you're right. There were some people complaining about his last start. I was like, oh, man, he struck out, well, he struck out 10 or 11. He, did, he made a couple bad pitches. That's true. But, wow, what a... Uh, what a turnaround uh, from what we'd seen before, but that just shows you how bad what it was bef- before. Uh, a one and six record right now for Castillo and a seven point four four ERA. It's amazing. You, you, I don't, you can't pin all this on him, but if Castillo pitches like Castillo, out of his nine games started, we probably win six, seven of them. Yeah. And so instead, we've won uh, like one or two of them. And so that's the difference between this team being above. That's simplifying things, obviously. But uh, that's how important he is to this team. We should be winning his games. I mean, if you take, you know, almost any players, any team in the league, you take their best starting pitcher who's supposed to be their ace, and you make them pitch like the ninth or tenth best starting pitcher in the organization, it's going to alter your record. (laughs) And, uh, you know... uh, if he had, if he had pitched like Castillo, and I still I can't see any reason that he's not going to. I, I, I think the last four months of the year we're going to see Castillo. I have to believe that. Um, I mean, his, his last start it was not great, but five innings, eleven strikeouts. You know, like you said, a couple of bad pitches in a normal Luis Castillo year, we would just shrug and be like, "Well, a couple got away from him there." It's only because he's he's had as rough of a year as he's had that we find ourselves concerned. Yeah. And, and I think it's perfectly uh, acceptable to be concerned because we're, again, we're two, almost two months in, but I don't know. I saw enough of the, of the old Castillo the other, uh, the other day that, okay, maybe, maybe we're really close. And I look at this rotation and we talked earlier about, Oh, these Clefani and Galsman and, uh, and, and Johnny Cueto, bless his heart. Um, you remember the time Johnny Cueto's uh, horse died? On, on Instagram, he posted a picture of it on Instagram. It was the, still the most bizarre moment I've ever experienced on social media, except for that time with one of the Reds' uh, draft picks called me out. Um, but you look at Wade Miley, Tyler Malley, and Sonny Gray. If you add normal Castillo in there, I got no problems with that top four uh, with the way they've pitched. Now, Gray had a rough start uh, his last time out. Uh, Tyler Malley had a 2.93 ERA before today. So, yeah, 2.93 ERA in his first eight starts. And then, of course, he gives up seven runs in two innings, and his ERA is now 4.20. Uh, 420, blaze it up. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, wow, now that you're out of your old gig, you just got all the opinions. <laughs> I know, right? Man. It's going to be legal in Virginia and uh, on uh, June, July one. Um, what a time to be alive! Um, no, I'm not touching any of the devil's lettuce. But uh, Wade Miley, Wade Miley's been good, you know. Um, really, the starting pitching, other than Castillo and then Hoffman, who he's he's Jeff Hoffman. I mean, you know, what, what do you expect that of him? I mean, this is the part where I'm gonna I'm gonna insert myself into the conversation here and just say the one thing that I, whoever is making this decision right now, this to me is a bad enough decision that that, that person should lose their job. T.J. Antone should be the, a starting pitcher right now, and Jeff Hoffman should be in the bullpen. The, okay, the only the only argument that I could see earlier in the season. And, and we talked about this on the podcast here for keeping Antone in the bullpen instead of starting him was that, are you going to be creative with him? Are you going to use him, you know, two or three innings, two or three times a week? If you do that, he's going to get enough innings to where he can still be valuable and you can choose high leverage situations. That's not what's happening. Uh, David Bell just used uh, uh, Carson Fulmer to blow the game the other night when he had Antone available. Well, and, and not only is that not happening, something that I think people are, are really quick to forget is that relief pitchers get, as much as starting pitchers get hurt, relief pitchers get hurt a whole lot more. Yeah, that's like, true. You can't really throw two or three innings two or three times a week. It doesn't work that way. Like, you're going to burn him out real quick if you do that because they they're not that resilient. And I went and I, I looked it up because I was curious. In any stretch of time, your relief pitcher that throws the most innings is going to throw max a third of the innings you would expect from a starting pitcher. From like a starting pitcher who is also sort of near the top of the starting pitcher innings pitch or whatever. Like, so it's, it's three, like there's no way, there's no way that you can pick and choose, even if you were to do it, Antone's innings to make him so valuable that you wouldn't really rather have three times as many innings from him. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I could, I, I could not agree more. You know, when, when I said that, I thought that's a way that you could possibly, yeah, could possibly, you know, um, justify it. But what's happened is Jeff Hoffman has thrown thirty-four point two innings, thirty-four and two thirds, and T.J. Antone twenty-one and two thirds. There's just when you're a team that needs uh, good innings, there is just no justification for having. Let's be honest. Maybe the best pitcher on the entire roster, T.J. Antone. He's certainly the most fun to watch uh, with the, with what he can do with the baseball. That, and maybe that's a, a fireball offense, like you said. Maybe if that's if that's on David Bell, maybe he should be um, should be fired. Uh, one of our viewer mail questions I'll go ahead and ask now relates to this question. Kyle Kapler asks, and these are questions come from our friends at patreoncom Radio. Kyle Kaplers asks, obvious answer is Antone to replace Hoffman, but would it be worth kicking the tires on signing someone like Mike Leake to a minor league deal or bringing up Tony Santillan or uh, Vladimir Gutierrez? I mean, I think either uh, Santillan or Gutierrez are are potential options. I mean, especially with the the way they've been pitching. Um, And I, you know, you certainly can look into that. Mike Leake, as far as I know, has offers if he wants them and is simply choosing to sit out the season because he doesn't want to mess with COVID. I, he, I don't know anything, but you kind of get the impression that 
there must be somebody close to him who's extremely high risk and he's just like I'm not playing in that sandbox right now yeah yeah he's uh I don't know what the reasons are either obviously but uh I'm sure he's got offers and listen, I, I like Mike Leak huh? yeah I don't have a problem with him, him coming back um looking at uh, Vladimir Gutierrez you know he's got three starts Looked awfully good. Um, Tony Santion still looking great after three starts, 0.64 ERA. Um, yeah, but I mean, if, if I'm going to the, maybe I go to Santion first if I'm going the minor league route to try to fill that route. I don't know that you have to. You got TJ Antone. You know what? I might consider Nick Lodolo for what that's worth um, if we're yeah. going to go down that far. But uh, Green's going to be getting bumped up another level at least here before too long. Yeah, yeah, Green and Lodolo should be in AAA soon. So there's going to be some uh, help maybe on the way. Help maybe on the way. Um, so another question about T.J. Antone, because everybody likes talking about T.J. Antone, especially the way that he spells his name. Um, Chuck Nichols asks, happy Thursday, Chad and Jason. Let's talk about T.J. Antone for a minute. We've, we've been talking about him. Chuck, where have you been? You, did you just tune in? We've been talking about him for several minutes. Come on, Chuck, pay attention. See him close you know, that. Well, I need to know, Chad. What's that? I've just noticed something that you and I say something differently. I need to know: is it T.J. Antone or is it T.J. Antone? You lay the stress on the first syllable, and I lay the stress on the second syllable. Ooh. Well, is you know, I don't know. I didn't realize I did that. Are you suggesting that I say things differently sometimes? Possible that I'm mispronouncing it. I don't know. I get things wrong every once in a while, not as often as you do, but sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, TJ Antone. TJ Antone. We're just going to have to ask him. We're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, all right, Chuck's question uh, after I attacked him for no reason says seeing him, Antone, uh, or Antone, close out a game this week. Really puts his role in perspective. He really should be a starter, and if not a starter, at least fill the badly needed closer role. What are your thoughts? And the reason I wanted to mention this one now as well is that if he's going to be in the bullpen, why isn't he getting every high leverage inning you can get out of him? And, and I guess if you got to have somebody at the back of the bullpen, I mean, I like Sims and I like Garrett, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It's well, just, it goes back to the question of what's the best role for him, and it's probably yeah. starter. I mean, so so first of all, based based on what I've seen from them, I think assuming that that Garrett is right now, which I think he is, I think either Garrett or Sims or Doolittle are all fine back into the bullpen. We're we are early enough in the season for sure now that the sort of like one or two hiccups any relief pitcher has, you know, his ERA is screwed for three quarters of the season. It's going to be taking that long to get it back down. Um, so I don't, I don't really worry about that. I just worry about the general performances I've seen from them. You're right, T.J. Antone should be in that group. And I think if those were the four guys who were coming out anytime, some combination of them, anytime the Reds had a lead um, or it was even close, I would feel a lot more confident. But as you pointed out, that's that's not what's happening. Right, yeah. It's just uh, they're using them in the worst possible way, it seems like to me. So uh, it's a good question, and I, I think the clear answer, I think we agree. He just needs to be in the starting rotation. Let's quit fooling around with this. Put him in the starting rotation. And you know, if, it, if it doesn't work, you can put him back in the bullpen. <laughs> He's already shown he can do that. Talk about Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo in, in AA, just an update from, uh, cause we, we did this last week. Hunter Green now uh, has pitched three games. He's 3-0, and 1.69 ERA, struck out 25 and walked three. <laughs> That's ridiculous. 
Is that good, Chad? It's good. And almost equally as good, Nicola Dolo in three starts. He's 1-0 with a 0.57 ERA. He struck out 24, so one fewer, but he's walked five. So he's walked two more than, than Hunter Green. So when Hunter Green eventually makes his major league debut, is there going to be an episode of Red Leg Nation Radio that's just the two of you where he just spends an hour just dragging you through the mud? We're going to do a, a video episode where I'm like, you know, putting a, some kind of balm on his, on his shoulder, making sure he's not getting hurt. Oh, gosh. Bless you, Hunter. Just stay healthy. Most exciting uh, pitcher on the AA Chattanooga Lookouts, though? Neither of those two. Do you know who I'm going to mention? Nick? I have... No. Okay. Yeah. Former Cincinnati Reds first-round pick, Nick Howard. Great uh, former University of Virginia pitcher. Back in the organization. Or there's somebody else from Virginia. <laughs> he's back. He was he was away, and now he's back. And uh, there was a piece that I read this week about how he's got his mind straight, and hopefully he's uh, going to be able to you know, salvage some part of a career. Hey, four games, five and a third innings has, uh, has not allowed a, uh, an earned run yet. So, uh, well, you know, fingers crossed. Hasn't, he walked one. So, uh, Nick Howard, anyway, whatever UVA screw that. All right. Um, I tell you what, do we want to spend about 20 minutes here talking about the fact that the Reds claimed Michael Feliz and designated Sal Romano for assignment? Do you want to spend some time, doing a deep dive into those transactions? I really do not. <laughs> I don't either. Hopefully he's looked pretty good since, since the Reds got him, but whatever. Um, before we go deep into uh, into viewer mail here and finish this thing off, I, I want to tell you something. I, uh, I've been going through lately and, and trying to, you know, uh, minimize, you know, trying to get rid of things and toss stuff out. So I've been in my home office here, but going through things. And I found uh, an old scorebook. I used to be one of these guys that kept scorebooks at the games, you know, the kids won't understand what that is. Dad, there's no shame in being one of those guys. Oh, I love, I love, I haven't done it in a long time, and I miss it actually. But um, so I, I found one, or I found several of my old scorebooks, and, and I just flipped open to it. Random page. It was a Reds Giants game at Synergy Field from April 28, 2002. It was a 115 start, Reds and Giants. So, uh, so quickly here, I, I want to see if you can. Uh, how many starters on this uh, team you can give me? This is, I know it's, uh, it's, I'm breaking this out on you, and I didn't tell you to anticipate it. But April 28, 2002. 2002. So who's the shortstop? He was leading off that day. Uh, that'd be Barry. Barry Larkin. So uh, let's see. Was Griffey healthy at the beginning of that season? Well, he wasn't playing in this game, um, and doesn't look like he pinch hit either, so probably not. <laughs> okay. Uh, Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn was uh, hit cleanup that day. Hit two home runs. Uh, Casey. Sean Casey hit batted third that day. He had a single, a walk, and was hit by pitch. Uh, Boone. Aaron Boone hit fifth that day. 0 for 4, one walk. You know what was fun? I just threw Boone out there hoping I'd get at least one of them. <laughs> sneaky. Pretty sneaky, sis. Uh, let's see. Who the outfield is tough back then? Two thousand two, uh, was that a Tavares or a Patterson year? It was not. It was not. It's a center fielder. That I think you, I would probably have had difficulty coming up with. But you should be able to get the right fielder. Was it? Wasn't? No, it wasn't Jay already. No, no. Who was the the big star? Future star before Jay in right field. Adam Dunn's buddy. Austin Kearns. Oh, Austin Kearns. Yeah, Austin, Austin Kearns. Kearns. Um, uh, 
Kearns was two for three uh, with two singles and a walk. Uh, center fielder was Juan Encarnacion. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I would not have gotten that one. Yeah, me either. Uh, um, so we got second about... base and catcher left. Okay, so David Ross maybe? No. This is, I think this is before David Ross. All right. I'm going to name a few random Reds catchers, and then I'm going to give up. And they may or may not cool. be time timeline appropriate. Before you do, I'll say it's someone that played a long time for the Reds as a catcher. Oh, was it Taubensy? It was not. After Taubensy. Uh Hernandez? No. He kind of got forgotten because he went to play for the enemy. Hannigan? No. Oh, LaRue. Yeah, Jason LaRue. Jason LaRue. There we go. Okay, I got. We just got to get second base now, right? Second base played for. I think he played for the Dodgers and the Rockies as well, and maybe other teams. But not Jimenez. No, no. This, this might be a tough one. He didn't play for the Reds long. Uh, Biff Roberts. No, that's. that's I think this is after. Yeah, after Biff Roberts. Todd Walker. Oh, okay. I remember Todd Walker, but yeah. That... Yeah. yeah. So. Um, uh, starting pitcher was Jimmy Haynes, pinch hitters that day Reggie Taylor, Wilton Guerrero, and other and relief pitchers Scott Williamson, Gabe White, Luis Pineda, and Scott Sullivan. Uh, the, for the Giants, the leadoff hitter was David Bell, current Reds manager David oh. Bell, and Barry Bonds hit no home runs and Adam Dunn hit two that day. So anyway, I don't know why we did that. That was a waste of time, and it's always fun to quiz you. I oh. mean, those kinds of things are fun. Yeah. I, I enjoy, and I'm sure that our 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 readers enjoy hearing me guess random Reds players <laughs> from anywhere in a 15 year span near that particular. <laughs> year. They're sitting there thinking, "Come on, it's obviously Juan Encarnacion." Uh, I've gotten good feedback when I've uh, quizzed you on, on those lineups before, and so I thought, "Well, let's just do it again." And of course, I didn't prepare you, so that makes it even better. No, I don't want to be prepared. I'm not pulling up base. I'm not cheating on the test. The oh. pop quiz. Let's see what I can do. Oh, man. Spoken like a true professor. Um, viewer mail questions. These questions are from actual viewers. Actual letters from actual viewers that come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you too can nope. support the Reds. Chat. Yes? Sorry. Sorry. I'm going to interrupt you here for just a second. I've decided something. Uh-oh. For the longest time, I have fought with you about viewers versus listeners. And I don't know if you noticed me slipping it in just now, but henceforward, I shall refer to them all as readers. <laughs> okay, there you go. See, that's fine. That's my new move in the battle, the eternal battle. Ah, so you're it's, you're trying you're going to... Going farther uh, in the other direction. Yeah, trying to deke me a little bit, as they would say in hockey. I like it. All right, so well, first... Let's from our readers. Let's do that. Uh, Joe Farsing, if Joey Votto were an Italian dish, what would he be? I'm going with chicken parm. Joey Votto were an Italian dish. What would he be? I'm going with chicken parm. I don't know how to answer that. I'm going to say... Uh, chicken parm is wrong. Because chicken parm, if done correctly, is obviously delicious. Joey would be one of those things that, that seems like it shouldn't work and then yet somehow is the most delicious thing you've ever had. Everybody knows about chicken parm. I, I'm not sure what Joey would be, but... So it's something special, but maybe it's not as well known as as chicken parm, something like that. Yeah, it would be, it would be a, like you go in and they're like, "This is really good," and you're like, "Really?" And they're like, "Yeah," and then you try it and you're like, "Oh my god, this is the best Italian food I've ever had before." Yeah, it's 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 a Hall of Fame. This is Hall of Fame food. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm going to say uh, lasagna a la bolognese. I could go for that. I could see it. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I just wanted to say that. I've been working on my Italian, man. I can tell. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Ciao. Tutti. Um, Mike Perry asks, which do you think has, has hurt the Reds more over the last few years? Not spending big in free agency or not developing key prospects to be high-value high value contributors on the big league level? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, it, it really, really, it it could be you could argue either one, right? I mean, there are a few. They did spend a little bit in free agency and got some guys in here that help. And they've also had a few. You know, we talk about Senzel in India and Tyler Stevenson. Now, you know, we're starting to see some, Jesse Winker. You know, um, those are prospects that you know they, they didn't they didn't sign Castillo, but they traded for him in the minor leagues. You know, Tyler Malley. Uh, I'm talking myself into free agency being the answer there. What do you think? Yeah, you kind of just talked me into it, too. Yeah. I mean, because the issue has always been, and, you know, this actually ends up being part of the thing that, that maybe caused some of the issues with Senzel, where he got jerked around a bunch because they refused to fill holes. Yeah, yeah. Like, get, get, if you're short outfielders, go get a freaking outfielder. If you're <laughs> short on shortstops, go get a shortstop. Like, if you don't have it in the organization, make some trades or sign some players. And that's that's how you that's how everybody every good team builds a roster. And, yeah. and now and now suddenly we have a few guys that actually are maybe cause me to rethink a little bit of my uh, opinion about what the Monarch system has done over the last few years, because you know we get one star in Winker and you get some other complementary pieces that really can help the team and and, and, and potentially a star is still in, in Tyler Stevenson and who knows about Senzel and, and India frankly still. Um, could be more than just complimentary pieces. And so, yeah, you got a hole, go fill it. But that's just too much to ask, I think. Grr. Next question. Oh, you know what we got to do? Before we do that, I, I neglected to do this. We got a new member of the uh, the Beer League softball team. Oh, uh, is this this is going to be our new, I'm going to say it before I even hear the name. <sighs> okay. This is, this is our, this is our Alex Blandino. This is the utility guy who can do anything and also come pitch an inning of relief when we need it. Oh, and also extremely handsome. With with a knuckle with that knuckle curve or whatever. Oh, yeah. He's been the best relief pitcher. No joke. He's been the best relief pitcher for the Reds this year. Um, no, our, our newest uh, uh, member of the family at Patreon. Got an email from uh, from, from my guy Brian O'Malley. Uh Earlier in the week, and uh, you know, asking about uh, the Patreon, he said, he's, he said it's finally time for me to join the Beer League softball team. I really appreciate you joining up with us here, Brian, uh, by signing up uh, to be uh, to be a member at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. Brian O'Malley, um, and I, I like what you said. I like your description, but then I see his name is uh, his first name is spelled B R A Y A N, and that sounds like a catcher to me. But O'Malley sounds like a first baseman. Well, see, O'Malley to me sounds old school baseball player. I mean, that sounds like yeah does does all the things. I'm telling you. So he's a he's our utility guy that uh, that we're gonna play everywhere and probably needs to be playing more because he got a little bit of a bat and he can play good defense and yeah he's gonna get 300 300 PAs and it's not gonna feel like quite enough PAs. Right, at the end of the season we're gonna be like, oh man, I wish we'd played him more. So, yeah. uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your support of this uh this crazy crazy family we got together here next question comes from snoopaloop is that your alias jason it is not 
Snoopaloop. Snoopaloop says, During spring training, I half-jokingly asked about Alfredo Rodriguez being a dark horse candidate for a red shortstop this season. Fast forward to now, and Suarez slash Farmer don't look to be the answer to that position, while Alfrod, I don't know if I'll prove of that or not, Alfrod is OPSing 900-plus at AAA and has the reputation of being a plus defender at shortstop. Small sample size, sure, but what else needs to happen to get small pasta, or petite pasta, if Alfredo Simon is big pasta, up here as soon as possible? Alfredo Rodriguez. Um... Has there been a single moment since the Reds signed Alfredo Rodriguez where you thought he was going to be a big league shortstop? No. <laughs> no, me either. Um, so, you know, um, I'm not sure what to say about that, but I will say this, that Rodriguez, uh, I'm pulling up his numbers here. Um, yeah, he's 361 average, 465 slugging, five or 465 on base, 520 slugging. Again, we're talking 13 games, but still. Uh, well, I mean, but but still, I'm not making. I mean, if you're going to make a decision on only 43 plate appearances, then uh, Aristides Aquino should have been uh, the starting out a starting outfielder for the last three years. Right, right. That's 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 the real answer. Is that oh boy, that'd be great if he really has turned into a hitter. It'd be fantastic uh, because the, Rodriguez does have the glove to play it. That's everyone everyone oh, says. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm looking at I'm looking what he did in Double A last year, which is actually a little better than I expected. But you know, um, not and, and that's the last year was the best year he's had as a pro. I just he's 27 now. Got those numbers, Chad. Oh right, right, yeah. He's 27. Yeah. 27, yeah. So I just mm, I don't see it. I like a I like a petite pasta. Um, he could maybe be a Kyle Farmer type. <laughs> But I don't. I'm, just, I'm not seeing it. You, you know, who I am kind of seeing it. For you remember this guy uh, Jose Garcia? Yeah, he's back down in AAA, getting some of that seasoning that we thought he. And he's 23, and double just A. double A, right? And just murdering the baseball. Right, and he murdered it in high A also. Yeah, too. yeah. So there's a little bit more of a track record there with him. He's got you know. Yeah. Uh, He's where he needs to be. Coming up on a thousand minor league plate appearances of being a, a well above average hitter. Um, right, and I know everyone remembers how bad he was last year, and he was bad. But there's there's your shortstop, assuming the Reds don't go out and get one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if he there there are going to be a lot of promotions. I guess I think after the draft is when that usually happens, uh, and I would not be surprised to see him go to Louisville. I imagine they'll probably be a little bit gentle with him after last year. Make sure that he gets his feet wet, good and wet at Louisville before he gets another crack. But I wouldn't be surprised if that happens sooner rather than later. Agree completely. Agree completely. All right, uh, let's run through these last few questions if we uh, if we can. Uh, Andrew Scott Willis, Andrew Scott Wills, excuse me, asks which is the best circus: Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, or the Cincinnati Reds defense? Well. I'm going to say the Reds defense, we have a moose, but we don't have any other animals. It's true. So that's where I'm going. That's true. We, I mean, Nibbles is on the DL. Oh, that's true. Nibbles. You remember the time it was a thing that uh, that Joey Votto bought a donkey for a teammate? I died. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, Seth Shaner asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio 
Tyler Stevenson said the other day that Joey Votto had advised him a few days before he got hurt to get a first baseman's glove and get some work there. Votto even said after he broke the thumb that he was surprised it hadn't happened before and thought it was coming. Is Votto a soothsayer? Should I give him even more credit than I already do? This question was made for you, Jason. We should always give Votto more credit. That's always the answer. Whether he's always. A, I don't know if he's a soothsayer, but I like saying soothsayer. But yeah, give Votto more credit, please. All right, um, next question comes from Richard Stowler. This is kind of a follow-up on uh, Richard's question last week about what's the most likely to happen, uh, and he gave some some uh, options. Here he says, follow-up on last week about the 400 hitter. This may be the best time in the last 50 years to have a 400 hitter, he says. It'll take this. A 25-year-old, body of young Eric Davis, plays second base or shortstop, speed of Billy Hamilton, determination and drive of Pete Rose, um... So far, you're just describing Eric Davis. That's fine. That's true, actually. Little League and uh, high school coaches who taught uh, short, compact swing, great back control, great out at the plate, ability to hit the pitch to the opposite field, the bunt, never swings at trash pitches. Playing on a team that will cultivate a singles and doubles hitter, stays healthy with workouts for a baseball player, not an NFL linebacker. It does sound like Eric Davis that he's describing. Um, except singles and doubles, I guess. Proper diet and rest habits. The computer programs would never know where to shift defense or what pitches to throw. As the game's all about home runs, this hitter could hit 400. No one ever thought Pete Rose had 4,200 plus hits. It could happen. Um, yeah, I mean, you just created a good player in the lab. Yeah, also, no, that's not happening. No one's hitting 400 in this environment. Sorry, guy. No, no, Richard, I, I think if we saw a guy like that, that's probably what it would take in the current environment. But the fact of the matter is, I just saw earlier today that the uh, the average, the league average uh, batting average is 239. Or two thirty seven, something two thirty something, which is the lowest ever, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and so I just, I would love to see. I, I don't like what baseball's become necessarily. I'd love to see a, a four hundred hitter. You know, I remember the year that Tony Gwynn kind of flirted with it for much of the season. That was that was fun. Yeah, but yeah, it's not happening, is it, Jace? No, not until. I mean, you know, basically, I've come down hard on the. They need to ban the shift and. They need to they need to return the baseball to whatever it was in the eighties and nineties. And they need to actually enforce this pitchers using this sticky crap. Like they can't use it. Like you, you do those three things and all of a sudden I think baseball feels pretty normal again. I will say that, you know, everybody I'll get people on my Twitter mentioned sometimes being like, they should just hit around the shift. I'm like, man, if I feel like if they could hit around the shift, they would do it. <laughs> like if you could get on base even half the time, like just by easily just dinking pitches over, you would do it. But have you seen some of these pitches these guys are throwing? Yeah, that's that's what I always think is these are the best hitters in the world. You think somebody's not going to be doing that if it's if it's possible? They, are, you know they have all tried. They're not going to talk about how they tried because they're not going to give themselves away like that. But you know every competent hitter has tried to see who gets shifted on. Can I be a better hitter if I hit around the shift? And if they, if they could, they would have done it. Yeah. Like like and then I'll shut up. Does anybody seriously think that Joey Votto Joey Votto is just too stubborn to hit around the shift? Yeah. Captain Tinker, like come on. It, it I never understand when 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 people when people say that. Um it's just the, the what I always respond is, you know, the, the pitcher uh drives a BMW too. <laughs> he gets paid too. He's good too, you know, these pitchers and they're just they're lights out and uh, something has to change and that's a different podcast for a different day um, a couple more quickly and then we'll uh, 
We'll wrap this one up. John Majewski, I hate to even raise this issue, he says, but if the Reds don't right the ship by the All-Star break, should they consider trading Nick Castellanos? Castellanos has a player option for 2022, and if he continues to play at an MVP level, he will certainly opt out of his contract for a well-deserved pay raise. What should the Reds do? What do you think, Jason? I mean, probably. And Moose, too. Yes, uh, probably that's... Honestly, I like Moose. I, I think he's, by all reports, great for the clubhouse and such, but the way this roster is currently constructed, uh, he should be on the trade block anyway. Either him or, or India or, you know, one, one of those two should be on the trade block because you got more second baseman than you need and more third baseman than you need. If you trade Castellanos, you are con- giving up on the season. You're conceding. It is true. Well, I mean, that was the the conceit, though, right? Right. Like assuming yeah. that it's. Oh yeah, you know. yeah. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying if that happens, you're giving up on the season, and then basically you are playing right into Bob Castellini's. Um, I'm not going to pay him what he's worth if he chooses to to leave. The Reds could still pay him, <laughs> you know, and bring him back. Uh, instead, let's hope we get some because there's no chance that I'm going to pay someone what they're worth. Yeah. Uh, going forward. And it's just, it, it, it all circles back around to the just, uh, you know, cr- almost criminal way the Reds have, uh, are being run from the, from the owner's box. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Thomas Dennis, we'll end with this one. Thomas asks, what is something you would love to see the Reds do with a player for no reason other than it would be fun to watch? It does not have to be logical, just fun to watch. For me, oh. I'll... He, he, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. He, he says, for me, I would love to see them roll out Alex Blandino to pitch a game. With his knuckleball, roll out Blandino as a starting pitcher. I, I'm in on that. You got something? Listen, and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw the whole thing out there. There's gonna be a column on Red Leg Nation here in a few days when they finally have a day off again. Um, I bet I know where you're going. But go man, ahead. The most fun game I have ever been at. Not the most important or the most exciting. The most fun game I've ever been at was when Hernani Rabarin, who a lot of Reds fans probably remember from a few years ago, he got a cup of coffee after a long time in the minors, in his last professional game at Louisville, played every position in nine innings. And it was fantastic. It was so much fun to just sit there and watch that and to, and to score it also, by the way. And that was just the, That game was just a ton of fun. Easily, easily the most fun I've ever had at a baseball game. Uh, I had an idea. That's where you're going because we've we've talked about that a couple times. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was that was fantastic. Um, I don't know. I just uh, here's what somehow I'd love to see the Reds do uh, with a player for no reason other than be fun to watch. Um, yeah, I don't know, like win a game. Do, do it with all your players. Just win some games. That'd be fun to watch. Uh, when when uh, the podcast next records one week from today, are the Reds going to be closer to 500 or further away? Closer. They've got the uh, the Brewers coming to town, then they go to the Nationals. Closer. Closer. Yeah, they're going to take two out of three in both those series. Yeah. You're right, as usual, Jason. Any final thoughts for us? I have no final thoughts for you, sir. All right, this is Red Leg Nation Radio. Episode number 376. Thank you all for joining us. You can find us wherever you find your podcast. Talk about us if you would. Leave us a, a, a good rating or review if you, if you feel like doing that. It helps uh, bring more viewers or readers or whatever you all are into the family. Um, 
if but as we say, if, you know, talk talk about us. If you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, just well, you've not made it. You wouldn't have made it this far in this ridiculous podcast if you didn't like us. So, um, Jason, man, always fun. Always a good pleasure, Chad. All right, for Jason Linden and let's see here, Mauricio Pochettino. You have to go Google that one. Post W. Uh, this is Chad Dotson saying, "So long, everyone." Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.